0: We have two readings this morning. First one is from Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 1 to 6. Jeremiah 23 verses 1 to 6 and the heading is The Righteous Branch. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous Saviour. And then over to Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. This is a warning against hypocrisy. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted.
1: Good morning. I'll just do my little party trick here. I can see everybody. Great to see you on this damp, cool morning. Well, this weekend in the US, the 91st Academy Awards will be awarded. I enjoy going to the movies, uh, and so like many people, I'm fascinated by the Academy Awards. Um, But I got to thinking, uh, what is the Academy recognising when they award an Oscar? Skill? Yes. Hard work? Definitely. Teamwork? always but at least with acting it is skill hard work and teamwork in the art of deception the academy award-winning actor has so thoroughly and believably taken on board another character that they have fooled us all and for that they are richly rewarded actors are the original hypocrites A hypocrite is one who wears a mask. Now I think there's a time and a place for acting. I enjoy thoroughly believable characters in a movie. I enjoy being swept away to another place, another time from my own. It can be good fun. It can be quite educational. At the end of the day, we know this is make-believe. And the mask the actor wears is just a mask. But what is applauded at the Academy Awards is ugly when it comes to our spiritual life and our character. And in the passage we're looking at today, Jesus confronts some award-winning religious actors and they make his blood boil. Let's pray as we come to this part of the Bible. Father in heaven, we do thank you for every part of your word, even the parts that make us feel uncomfortable We thank you for this word that is before us today and we pray that you would speak by your spirit to each one of us. Please give me the words to say. Please open our hearts and minds that we might be changed in ways that make you pleased. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We heard the start of the chapter read earlier for us. Let me pick it up at verse 13 and let's hear some more of what Jesus had to say to these uh, religious leaders in his day. Boy, it would have been uncomfortable if you'd been there. (sighs) Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor would you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you! Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are! Woe to you, blind guides! You say, If anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold? Or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides! You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous, and you say... If we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I tell you, all this will come on this generation. Scary stuff, isn't it? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, roused to fury by these religious pretenders. There's a lot to take in there, but the, um, the crime that comes through again and again is that these men were outwardly impressive, but inwardly corrupt. They looked good, See in verse 5, they wore the right gear. Phylacteries are little boxes that you put a um, memory verse inside. And they wore it right on their forehead. So everyone could see that they were filling their mind with God's word. Same with the tassels on their robes. Here's a couple of verses from the Old Testament book of Numbers. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. And so these leaders made their tassels extra long. In verse 15... They were zealous evangelists. In verse 23, they were serious and practical about giving to God. Even the spices growing in their backyard, they'd go through and pick out every tenth plant and give it to God. In verse 29, they build tombs for the prophets and they decorate the graves of the righteous. They honored their fallen heroes. These guys knew what to say. They knew what to do. They were very impressive. And in fact, none of the things that Jesus mentions are wrong in themselves. Jesus is furious because for all their outward gloss, they are inwardly corrupt. They look good outside, but inside they stink. In verse 23, they're fastidious about spices, but they don't give a fig about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Verse 25, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 28, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. These guys were Academy Award winning religious people. They wore the mask of being God-pleasers, while underneath they were self-promoters. Last week, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus told us the two greatest commandments in the law. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And these guys had twisted the commandments into pretend to love God and win the admiration of your neighbor. See verse 5 of chapter 23. Everything they do is done for people to see. There's the heart of religious hypocrisy. Pretending to love God and in reality longing for the approval, the admiration, the respect of other people. So Jesus says it like it is. Leaders like this are utterly poisonous For anyone who really wants to love and serve God. See in verse 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Three times in this chapter he calls them blind guides. Following a hypocrite will inevitably lead to you becoming a hypocrite. It always works like that. And you can see it in little kids. As a parent, it's quite scary. For better or worse, as time goes by, your children come to talk like you, to behave like you, to walk like you. Warts and all. Because they live with us 24-7. In verse 3, Jesus says to his disciples... You must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Do you know how hard that is, psychologically speaking, to pull off? Actions speak louder than words. Our kids still pick up on our bad habits, even if we tell them not to. With these religious leaders as their guides, the people of Israel... Could only hope to become hypocrites themselves under the judgment of God, facing hell. These leaders were guilty of doing exactly what the leaders of Israel in Jeremiah's time had done destroying and scattering God's sheep. They'd driven the sheep away from God, they had not cared for the sheep. With leaders like that, the whole house of Israel was doomed. But back in Jeremiah, God promised to punish those wicked shepherds and raise up a new shepherd, a king who would gather and tend the flock so they could live in safety and be fruitful. And in Matthew 23, we not only see judgment fall on the false shepherds, but we see the good shepherd revealed. Jesus is the good shepherd who can nourish us And bring us to God. He is the good in place of the bad. So the first thing that struck me about Jesus in this chapter was his integrity to the point of death. Jesus knew that these teachers of the law and Pharisees were the powerful men. He knew that they were out to get him. And yet Jesus stands and delivers one of the most stinging rebukes in the Bible. In other words, Jesus valued truth above the approval of men. Jesus valued righteousness more than his own life. These things really needed to be said for the sake of the crowds who'd been following these blind guides for so long. For God's sake... (laughs) God is not honoured by pretend love. And so in love for God, in love for his neighbour, Jesus said what had to be said, though he, he knew full well it would cost him his life. It's striking too, you know. The only person who could say these things and be heard is someone who is not a hypocrite. Someone with integrity. Jesus had the integrity his enemies lacked. No one could prove him guilty of sin. His disciples had lived with him. The crowds had seen him for years. Jesus is God's man through and through. And so he delivered God's message of judgment, though it cost him his life. The second thing to notice about this good shepherd Is his humble service that gives life. See in verse 11 The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That is what Jesus preached. Now, what did he do? He practiced what he preached. Already he had humbled himself to become a man. But within a week of saying these words, Jesus humbled himself to suffer and die on the cross. He humbly served the wretched. He gave his life so that sinners from every nation might have the hope of eternal life. Back in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Are you seeing the the stark contrast between the Jerusalem Theatre Company and the Good Shepherd? They wanted people to serve them, but Jesus came to serve and to bring us life. They said one thing and did another. Jesus' words and his life matched up perfectly. There's just three more verses at the end of this chapter that I want to show you, because they reveal Jesus' heart to us. Come with me, where I left off in verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Look, Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See Jesus' love for his people. He's longed to gather his children close and care for them and protect them. Even his words of anger and judgment here spring from his deep love for his people. Jesus doesn't want them to be hypocrites. Jesus doesn't want them to face the wrath of God. He loves them. But they were unwilling. We can see here too God's patience towards his people, his long-suffering, as again and again he sent prophets and messengers and finally his own son to bring them back. But they were unwilling. The last verses are incredibly sobering. As God's judgment falls, your house is left to you desolate. There comes a time, even with God's patience, because of his love, when judgment, desolation, falls on the unwilling. And from this point on in the gospel story, Jesus withdraws from public ministry. Israel as a nation has had all the chances she is going to get. From now on, Jesus only reveals himself to his disciples. So here we are today, all these years later, listening to the Good Shepherd in Matthew 23. What do we need to take away from this chapter? Well, when Jesus gets stuck into these guys, I don't know about you, but I want to cheer Hypocrisy anywhere makes me cranky, especially religious hypocrisy. It's outrageous. It should be condemned. And as I hear this, I stand beside Jesus and I say, Well done. I know I'm not alone. Last year, the um, McCrindle organisation did a big survey of Australians about what might prevent them from checking out Christianity. Um, Here's one snapshot. Of the results. The two biggest roadblocks for people are church abuse and hypocrisy. And church abuse is just an extreme form of religious hypocrisy, isn't it? Church leaders pretending to be God's representatives while doing unspeakably wicked things in secret. It feels like hardly a week goes by without some new scandal and resignation. No denomination is immune. Even one of our sister FIEC churches removed their senior pastor last year when it was discovered that he was involved in a highly inappropriate relationship with the children's worker. People are rightly angry about these things. Hypocrisy has done untold damage to the reputation of Christian churches and Christian leaders in our community. It may help you and it may help the sceptics in our community to realise that Jesus was furious about hypocrisy and abusive leadership too. But it's easy to point the finger and apply these words of Jesus to the bad guys out there. What we need to do, and what I want to do for a short while now as I finish up, is to consider how these words apply to us at the lakes today. We must not pretend that the issues of abusive leadership could never happen to us. Now don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful to God for our staff team and our wider leadership group, and I'm not aware of any issues at the moment. But I know what the Bible says about the corruption of the human heart. I know how treacherous and corrupt my own heart is. So I want to assure you that as a church we are working hard to set up structures that will help to protect people. Those in leadership have ongoing training in a code of practice called faithfulness in service. I've put a link to it at the bottom of your outline there. You might like to go and have a look at some stage online. It's very comprehensive and very helpful. And we're also putting into place a process by which any concerns about ministry leaders can be heard and properly addressed by an independent group. Um, And if you have any concerns that you think ought to be addressed in that way, then as a first step you can contact either Lois Asher. Lois, do you want to just give us a wave? Um, And Matt Stubbs is at the men's camp at the moment, but I've put their contact details again in the outline for you. They are our safe ministry contacts. Um, And there'll be more said about that at the AGM as well in just a couple of weeks' um, time. So that's at the church organisational level. Um, Let's think for a few moments more personally. Um, Of course, the things that Jesus says in Matthew 23 apply to our leaders because they actually apply to all of us as Christian people, as followers of Jesus. Now, I don't know if these same issues are a problem for you. I can only see the outside, which for most of you looks pretty good. But there's a couple of reasons why I suspect that hypocrisy could be an issue for many of us. Come back to the Academy Awards again. What a glitzy, glamorous, impressive night that is. The beautiful people are there, wearing designer clothes, flashing perfect pearly white smiles, uh, various other marvels of modern surgery. Uh, For that (laughs) night, it's all about the image, the occasion And I think that that is a little cameo of a bigger attitude in our world. Do you know, looks matter. The appearance of things counts for a lot. And it's hard for us not to be affected by that in some measure. Also, I, for one, really want other people to like me. Um, I've met very few who didn't crave the approval of others. It starts early. We learn as best we can to meet the approval of our parents. We learn to fit in and meet the approval of our friends and our playmates at school. When we grow up, it's especially our peers that we hope to impress. The approval of other people. It's more immediate. It's more concrete in a way than God's approval. So let me finish with just some words of advice on how to stay humble and how to avoid hypocrisy. The first and most urgent humility that this chapter demands is for each of us to acknowledge Jesus as the good shepherd. We need to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The unforgivable sin that the Jewish leaders were guilty of was rejecting Jesus. We must not make that same mistake. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He is the greatest servant. He has been the most humble. And so God has exalted him to the highest place. We need to acknowledge that. We need to commit our lives to serving Jesus and making his name great. That will keep us humble because we can't build his kingdom and our own kingdom at the same time. He must increase. We must decrease. Acknowledge Jesus for who he is. A second way to stay humble is simply to confess our sins. The Jewish leaders refused to admit that Jesus was right. They were proud. They thought they were good enough for God friends we are not good enough for God we too have been proud and hypocritical we too have been more interested in the respect of other people than the approval of God we need to confess our sins and keep on confessing our sins and our need of Jesus and that will keep us humble A third thing for us to do is to walk in Jesus' footsteps and humbly serve others. We cannot do what Jesus did. Thankfully, there's no need for us to do what Jesus did because he has done it. But there are many ways that we can love people and care for them and seek to bring them back to God. Caring for children, caring for the sick and the lonely and those caught up in all kinds of addictions, taking the gospel to Muslim people in East Asia. Often it's not glamorous. Sometimes it's just plain hard work and we don't even get a thank you. Of course, the thank you is nice when it comes, but don't do it for the thank you. Do it because people are precious to God. God sees. God is pleased when we serve others. And it will help to keep us humble. (laughs) When it comes to serving, we're all different. Now God's given each of us unique skills and relationships and opportunities to serve others. If you keep your eyes open, opportunities will come your way to serve every single day. We work as a team. You know, I can't mow lawns, but I can teach the Bible. Uh, I can't speak... Kunwingu, how, how do you even say it? But I can support CMS and the Pearsons in Gumbelania. How do you say it, Haley? Kunwingu. Kunwingu, there we go, it's easier than I thought. <laughs> the greatest among us are the servants who gladly, without complaint, love and serve others so that God might be honoured. And finally, just a couple of ideas on how to avoid Hypocrisy. Keep on looking to the audience of one. Yes, there will be people all around looking at what we do. But you, keep your eyes and ears fixed firmly on the Lord Jesus. You've done exactly the right thing coming here today and thinking hard about Matthew 23. We've heard Jesus speak to us this morning. He said some uncomfortable things. He has a lot more to say too about money and sex and work and all of life. If you become passionate about pleasing the Lord Jesus, you will have very little time to worry about what other people think of you. Look to the audience of one. A second way to avoid hypocrisy is to do your good deeds as much as possible in secret. That's what Jesus says places like Matthew chapter 6, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret. When you help someone else out, don't put a post on Facebook letting everyone know what you've done. God knows. (coughs) Secrecy safeguards sincerity. If you want to avoid hypocrisy, Do your good deeds on the quiet. Finally, from time to time, check your motivation. Make sure your hands are clean, but occasionally do a heart check as well. Just pause and ask yourself honestly, why am I doing this? And if you find that the fire within is dying down, you might need to step aside for a while, come back to that audience of one. Spend some time reminding yourself of what a good shepherd he is, how great and worthy he is of our love and our service. We're hopeless at doing this by ourselves, aren't we? So let's um, thank God for what he's taught us today and let's ask for his help. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus We thank you for his willingness to expose the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders even though it cost him his life. Thank you for his humble service of us all the way to death so that we might have new life. We thank you for his love, his patience, his warnings. Father, we are sorry. We ask for your forgiveness for our own hypocrisy and pride for the times that we have looked for the approval of other people and ignored you. Please, we ask that you would humble us to love and serve the Lord Jesus as our good shepherd. Please fix our eyes on him that we might long for his approval. And please open our eyes to the opportunities we have to serve others Please give us your strength, the motivation, the courage to keep on serving. Please grant us your joy in our service of others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.